conversations and connections, community building, refocusing resources, re-education, healthy living, strong relationships, and safe spaces. The All Things Black podcast is committed to the onward advancement of creating positive narratives and presenting black news and perspectives that will help create meaningful dialogue with practical solutions. I am the host and the producer of the show, Daryl. My mission is to help tell stories of black lives through the art of podcasting. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast. Welcome to your podcast. Welcome to your world. All right, everybody, welcome to the All Things Black Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Black Ovation, and of course, it is another great episode that we have in store for you today. I'm going to be speaking to a gentleman by the name of Zachary Daniels. He's an author. He's a entrepreneur. He's a businessman. He's This guy is phenomenal, right? So when you hear his background and the things he's been able to accomplish, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Plus, we'll talk about some other things. So you guys stay tuned. All right, we are back. Again, my name is Mr. Black Ovation. You are listening to the All Things Black Podcast, where you can find on any streaming platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, any one of these platforms that you use to listen to podcasts. There's also a YouTube channel that has not been utilized as much as the audio format because I'm a real heavy audio guy. But the visual component is there for those that actually want to sit back and, you know, kind of look and enjoy the visual aesthetics. Uh, it is definitely there for you to consume. You just go to the All Things Black podcast on the YouTube channel and you'll be able to do that. Please like, share, subscribe, listen to these podcasts, spread the word, let people know that we exist, that I exist, and these great guests that I have on my show they're 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 out there, man. For everybody to to listen to and to go to their web pages and uh, support and promote them as well. Before we get started, well, actually, before that, uh, again, I'm t- I'm going to be speaking with Zachary Daniels. He's an author of the book entitled Manifest Destiny. Now, of course, we got some definite questions about that, but when you go into his website and you kind of read a little the a little of the information about the book. It kind of, you know, it kind of gives you a glimpse as to why the name Manifest Destiny was actually brought about. As per usual, every episode, I'm going to mention the Black Podcasters Association, which I'm a member of. The Black Podcasters Association is founded by Corey Gums, and they have an affiliation or an association with the Afros and Audios organization who has been in existence for about five years or so. They help to bring creatives and podcasters together who are all of African-American descent, if you want to <laughs> say it that way. But yeah, it's just a collective of really intelligent, bright, creative people of color, so to speak, that want to get their word out, 
express themselves and things of that nature. But the Black Podcasters Association is an association that's been going going for about maybe two years now. Uh, they have a lot of benefits, tons of um, resources that you can partake of. Uh, membership is is very minimal in terms of the dollar amount. But uh, you can join the Black Podcasters Association. Just look them up and uh, you'll be surprised at what you can actually find. Also in news, what's newsworthy is the Black Education Station. Uh, it's something that's new. I'm always researching in different uh, periodicals, articles, and things like that to get the word out about uh, it's happening in the black community. And this one, I believe, was noteworthy. It was noteworthy for me. It's the Black Education Station, and they are about retraining and teaching young black children from the womb, right? Education is very heavy for the Black Education Station. Uh, there's cartoons, there's professors, and, and just about every, every you know, um, tool that is necessary for young black children to kind of get a leg up in the education field and be able to spread their wings and be phenomenal human beings in their community. So you also want to look that up. There's a link I'm going to provide in the, in the broadcast. So you guys look out for that one. Again, welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you guys in advance for listening to this episode. My guest today is Zachary Daniels, the author of Manifest Destiny. And uh, a little bit about Zachary and Zachary, you're on the line now. So you can definitely correct me. If I'm if I'm wrong, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Zachary is a is a Midwest native. Right now, I'm speaking to him from um, Milwaukee. What what area is that? Actually, it's not Racine. You said it's a little bit north of that, right? Yeah, a little bit just outside Milwaukee, Germantown. Germantown, got you. So anybody familiar with Germantown, you know, you make sure you uh, yeah. Shout out, out, shout there out, shout go. out to Germantown. That's it. Shout out to Germantown. Absolutely. And uh, he graduated with a degree in nuclear medicine now. Nuclear medicine. Okay. So before uh, pursuing his passions in finance, so you, now you're talking about a nuclear, the, the guy uh, a, has a degree in nuclear medicine, and now he uh, has a, a passion for finance. So now he's dealing with that. And uh, he's a registered investment advisor, right? So we definitely want to kind of get into that. So you're, you're you're going to be the plug, uh, Zachary. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anybody that's interested in making money, you need to get a hold of Zachary. And then, of course, you have the book Manifest Destiny. Zachary, that's just a kind of a snapshot. Kind of, kind of, kind of tell us a little bit. Give us a little bit more of of your background. I mean, when did you get started? When when did you you know obtain your degree? What motivated you to, uh, you know, go out for nuclear medicine and then also into finance and now the book? Kind of, kind of give us a little <laughs> backdrop with that. Yeah, it's uh well. First, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you you having me on. It's an honor. And uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of bases to cover there. Um, so if I had to, if I had to go back and and kind of say because you know nuclear medicine and and the finance and then the book they kind of all touch very different different areas, different subjects. And, um, you know, I probably have to go back to kind of my upbringing, I think was a little bit unconventional. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm adopted and I'm African-American, but both my adoptive parents are white and uh, generally raised in, in kind of a, a white middle-class suburbia. And I think 
the kind of dynamics of my upbringing kind of forced me to develop a different, my own identity from a very early age. And that's kind of helped me later in my business and personal life, just kind of, you know, approaching a broad array of subjects and, and, uh, and kind of just kind of going after it because, uh, because yeah, that's just kind of who I've become. So I think that was that was not, of course, all that was contributed. But if I had to say what really kind of spurred on from an early age, uh, a kind of passion to go after different different things is is probably that kind of forming my own identity in a, you know, because of my upbringing, which um, which we can get into a little bit. But but overall, was a, a wonderful a wonderful parents and a, and a wonderful childhood. So, but. Um, yeah, I, I had always been interested in medicine. My mom was a nurse and she was great at it. And I loved the whole patient care aspect and the science interested me. So I always knew I wanted to be in the medical field. And once I got to college and was able to shadow nuclear medicine, I, I thought this was perfect. It's got some science. It's got patient care, which I really, I really liked interacting with patients because you get so many different stories there. And, um, and so many different uh you you touch so many different people from different walks of life uh you're always like learning something you know as you're as you're taking care of these patients but um pursued nuclear medicine and i had always been really interested in finance and money i thought you know money isn't the end all be all money can't make you happy but the world revolves around it so the more you understand money the more you can kind of understand the world and then try to position yourself and in a way that is going to benefit you because um, at the end of the day, uh, money decides a lot of things. And if, if you aren't understanding money or, or don't have someone to trust that understands money, it, it can make life a lot more difficult than it you know, necessarily needs to be. So I was always interested from that perspective. And basically after being in nuclear medicine for a couple of years, I had an opportunity um, because of how I had done finance wise to start my own business and my own firm uh around it and try to help other people you know achieve that that level of success um and part of the reason i didn't go to school for the finance aspect was i didn't like how they taught in schools i thought how general uh business studies taught money itself was was wrong so i kind of self-taught there and then i also uh, like the relative safety of the medical field, you know, people are always going to need medicine. Uh, that, <laughs> I liked that's it. True. That's true. People are always going to need medicine. Um, so, you know, that, and that was, I would say that that influence partially came from my parents, right? They kind of, and I think every parent's like this, they, they, they want their son to be stable or their daughter to be stable. So they're like, they want safety and stability. And so I think, the influence of my mom, along with the influence of my parents wanting that, kind of pushed me more towards the medical field, which was fine. I was, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. But go ahead. I'm sorry. But uh, but yeah. So um, so yeah, that started my own. You know, and and uh, my I guess the business passion didn't come from my parents. That was strictly uh, that was strictly a, a kind of self directed passion because during my college internship i started a bitcoin atm business with a partner and once i got a taste of a little entrepreneurship i knew that was a route that i wanted to take down the road i just didn't think it was going to happen quite as early as it did but uh because you know i'd always had a, a semi 
issue with authority figures uh and not like an issue with respecting authority figures but issue of following authority figures when it, the rules didn't make sense when you know when in school you know so a teacher tells you to do something and you ask you know why and they just say just because i i told you to that that always presented a problem with me so when i got into the entrepreneurial world it was like well if a rule doesn't make sense i'm not gonna I'm not gonna follow it i'm just gonna do what makes sense and i think that freedom of that choice was a. Uh, was very um you know i wouldn't say intoxicating but was it was very freeing um freedom was free of course it sounds sounds odd but um yeah it was it was a great uh, a great taste for it and so um after the bitcoin atm business and quitting you know nuclear medicine to start my own investment practice i also got into real estate a little bit and then you know i've been able to pursue my hobby so yeah there's a lot of a lot of things that kind of stem from that, but um, yeah, that's, that's that's quite a bit <laughs> in that because you so originally was the nuclear medicine, and then that's a hell of a jump from nuclear medicine all the way to find the finance, right? I understand you got the, the 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 bug early in in college, and then what year are we talking about, and what age were you when this uh, when this bug when you caught this bug? Uh, so I graduated um, nuclear medicine in. I was 23, 24. And uh, yeah, I basically started my first business at 23, 24. And that, that was the Bitcoin ATM business that did successfully. And then uh, worked nuclear medicine for a couple of years. Uh, started, quit my nuclear medicine practice. Started at the, my investment practice pretty young. So only like 26 here, um, 25, 26, which is very young to start an investment practice. but. Basically, the way I, I kind of want to do investments, I couldn't do it under a Fidelity or a, a T. Rowe Price necessarily. I had to start my own firm um, because I, I have client exposure to digital currencies like Bitcoin, and there, there isn't any Fidelity or T. Rowe Price that would allow that. So, um, so yeah, very young. And then I also, you know, started a real estate company for you know rental rental properties at about that age too. So I'm young, and uh, you know, 27, 28 here, but, um, but yeah, it seems like I've, I've worked on a lot here. And, um, no, and that's good. I think that, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's very, um, great, you know, to start that young and to, uh, have the wherewithal and the, um, ability to understand a lot of what's going on behind the scenes. Like you say, the world and finance and, uh, get your, you know, feet cemented uh, in areas that are going to make your life a little bit comfortable as you, you know, move up in age. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of us don't um, have that um, afforded to us. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people still working, um, even at the age of 65 and whatnot, mm -hmm. which was supposed to be retirement, you know, because uh, they didn't have either. Um, I'm not going to say they didn't have the passion, but maybe they just weren't introduced uh, to something like that, you know, early on. So, which which is very uh, essential, you know, for children in this society to be introduced uh, to so many different facets of life early. I remember growing up, you know, uh, going to Gideon yeah, because I went to public school, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, even then they had courses where you know you could uh, use to sustain yourself. Um, you know, home economic courses and things like that. And they literally removed those courses 
and yeah. uh, which is a, which is a, a, a which is a tragedy uh, because these courses were, you know afforded the young men and women uh, skills you know um, mm-hmm. knowledge that would be able to they can utilize you know in their day to day life but yeah they they removed a lot of that stuff so I think that's that's actually pretty good and again to be that young to get your feet wet uh, in something like that I think is you know great it's very phenomenal. Uh, that you were introduced to that. Now, again, my question would be, was that something that you were researching? Did you get, you know, did you make a connection with somebody that kind of sparked your interest in becoming, uh, you know, financially free, not having to work necessarily a job and introduced to Bitcoin and stuff like that? I know you kind of mentioned that in college, which which college is a lot of experimentation going on along with knowledge. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how, how how did that come about? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I think um, you know how I got so interested in in finance was was partially through Bitcoin. So I had been involved in Bitcoin since oh, probably like six, probably seven years now. Um, and and when I got first involved with Bitcoin, I was just a little you know very poor college student. So I know people here 2014, they're like, oh my gosh, you must have 500 million Bitcoin. No, I was I barely you know. I think the first amount of Bitcoin bought was like. 20, 10, 20 bucks. But anyway, um, the Bitcoin was part of it um, because the kind of more you research in the Bitcoin, obviously there's a lot of ethos and uh, theory about Bitcoin uh, in you know, the whole money process. But also um, for me, what got me interested in it was politics. So I, I started getting into politics quite a bit during my college years. And there's a lot of you know experimentation. You're just... In college, it's nice you're bombarded with so many different opinions and, and thoughts that you're you're able to absorb a lot more and 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 then kind of discern what you you know start to build your worldview a little bit, um, which I really appreciated. And and it's funny, my dad will say like, you know, you went to college for four years, you know, that was just a waste. Of, you know, you aren't even using your degree. You know, isn't that a waste? Or don't you wish you didn't go to college for that? And I'm like, no, 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 college. I may have not be using my degree right now, but college was like an invaluable experience as far as me growing and learning and and that stuff. But it was really when I started getting into politics and then I'm like, well, one layer deeper than politics is is money. You know, that's that's the base layer of everything. So that's really what kind of spurred me. And um, I wouldn't say I necessarily had a, a mentor or a someone guiding me to to go to that field. Um, it was just kind of my my personal inclination, but I, I did want to go back to you know you mentioned early in the podcast in the intro about education, um, and I think that is you know one of the most important things that can help improve the the community is is educating youth because I I think it's I don't think it's like you said I don't think it's a matter of people you know working later in life is a matter of they want to do that or um, uh, necessarily desire to do that. It's just they aren't exposed. You know, you don't know what you don't know. So if, you know, people at a young age aren't getting exposed to, um, exposed to certain ideas or, you know, money management or thinking about, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, what their life might look like, uh, you know, they, it's out of their mind. They, they can't, you can't formulate something yeah. that hasn't already been introduced to you. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the most 
by far the most important things for for youth these days. Yeah, I I, I agree. Like I said, I reside in Atlanta, and I do I try to read as much as possible with um you know the different things that's going on. My my head is not glued to you know like mainstream media and stuff like that. I try mm-hmm. to grab information from different sources. Uh, to help me formulate opinions and ideas and things like that. And I think pretty much that's the same experience that you may have had in college um, when you were there. You know, um, like I said, it's a breeding ground for, for you know, identity and uh, new thought and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm all about that. And one of the things that uh, um, that I'm really ecstatic about and excited about was the fact that you had, now, now I'm mentioning this, you, 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 so if anybody gets, I hope nobody gets offended because, uh, when you sit back and you read the title of the podcast, it does say all things black. So that's kind of my interest. Um, but there's a there's a school down here called the X School for Boys who um, uh, the person that founded that school is King Randall. King Randall was about maybe 25 or so. And he developed this school for um, inner city youth, uh, primarily young boys, right? Young black, young black boys. And he's literally taking them under his wing and guiding them, uh, teaching them about autom- you know, uh, autom- uh, automotives uh, and woodworking and finance mm-hmm. and uh, taking them on trips, learning them, you know, exposing them to, 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 fly, to flying and things like that, mm-hmm. right? Um, that is going to be, that's really one of the things, like you mentioned earlier, which is really going to help young people uh, because exposure is just about everything. You know, the right exposure um, the right environments, it, it, it does young people a world of good when you have that type of exposure and, mm-hmm. you know, people being able to guide you. So I agree with you 100% uh, with that. And just by you just listening to your story and how you were able to accomplish certain things, you can tell that you, you know, kind of went down the same path. That exposure, the environment, uh, loving and caring um, people around you to help nurture you. And, uh, yeah. It, it like I said, it, it really does a world of good uh, with that. So, nuclear medicine, you have not been in that field for quite some time. Yeah, it's only been a couple a couple of years since I've been out of it. I still, you know, keep my certification, but um, but yeah, the, if for anyone out there that doesn't know what nuclear medicine is, basically it's a imaging modality. So think of like MRI or CT, where MRI or CT is looking more at like bone structure. So um, tissues, tendons, organs, um, their, their structure of them. Whereas nuclear medicine is always worried about the function of certain body systems. So, you know, how well are your kidneys functioning? Is your left kidney only working at 75 or 40%? Um, your lungs, heart, basically any organ system in the body, nuclear medicine can image. And nuclear medicine does that by uh, taking a pharmaceutical that basically uh, goes to that organ system or primarily focuses on the organ system and tagging it to um, a radio isotope. And so then we use the cameras that pick up the radioactivity to measure the radioisotope in someone's body in a certain system. And, um, you know, we can do this for, we do a lot of cancer screenings, um, basically using radioactive sugar to uh, see what tish, body tissue is super active and generally very active body tissue is indicative of tumors or cancer-like cells. Um, but yeah, nuclear medicine is is a very interesting and, and interesting field. But uh, but haven't been haven't been in the 
in the field directly in a couple of years now and um but still keep still keep up to date with it gotcha yeah and i'm glad you explained it because that was going to be one of my questions to you is what is nuclear medicine and you just kind of explained it so so i uh, thank you very much for that one um so business you're, you're in business you're still mm-hmm. you know you're still you're under 30 i believe you said um mm-hmm. and you know you can basically have the freedom to move about as you choose because of the fact that you have um quote unquote a fine you know financial independence right you don't necessarily have a yeah. bunch of clock nine to five things like that mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the young people nowadays really understand that concept, uh, not to be able to punch a clock, not to have these different restrictions, not to be confined in certain spaces and things like that. So a lot of people are actually trying to use and utilize these different areas and avenues to become financially stable without the agency of having to punch that clock. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you so you teach. You, you, you mentioned you, you have a, um, a firm. What was that again? Like a firm? Yeah. So I, yeah. Well, I have an investment. So I have my own practice. So okay. Um, you know, uh, as part of my yeah business, based on my own practices, you know, I it's my it's an investment advisory practice. So people come to me for advice about investments, or I manage their investments directly, or I give consulting on on certain investment strategies. Um, and my fo- my specialty, my subspecialty is digital currency since I've been involved in the space so long. And I've done lots, um, lots involving Bitcoin, basically anything from mining, um, running, running mining farms to, you know, dealing with, you know, NFTs or DeFi or anything. I've basically touched every single part of the space that I can. Um, and so that's my subspecialty. But um, yeah, I do run and, you know, for fun, I I've, have run other I would say Bitcoin or cryptocurrency classes and and seminars for people that are just free where people show up and and I talk about you know I talk about a subject and and try to do it that way but um but yeah it it is nice having financial freedom um because time is your your most valuable resource so time is everything you know we have a finite amount in this world and how you how you're able to use it um is a big part of your life's enjoyment. So I've been very fortunate um, at a young age to, you know, realize some of that. Um, but it, it is also, you know, it doesn't come overnight. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, the plan for that a lot, especially with social media, it's very easy to gr- have a, a aggrandizement of, oh, look at this person's doesn't have to necessarily, you know, work a traditional 40 hour week. Like, look at how awesome that is. Look at their, they're traveling. They're doing the, they're doing remote work and such and such place. And uh, I, I don't think a lot of people see that most, most of the time that doesn't happen, right? Most businesses don't work. Um, and it also, a lot of that where you see people are posting on social media or they see the end product where a lot of the work goes in years and years before. So, for example, when I was I was trying to work towards this when I was in my right when I like turned twenty was basically when I was like okay this is the plan that I'm going to have for the next ten to fifteen years and I'm going to try to and a lot of my actions reflected trying to get that goal so I was working full time nights um, 
my whole senior year of college will go into school for nuclear medicine. I was going, I was working 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., then going to class from, you know, sleeping for two hours, going to class during the day, and then going back to the hospital to work overnights um, to try to save up money to, um, you know, in, invest the, in assets that I liked, like cryptocurrency or stocks, um, and then to start my first business. And I did the same thing in internship. I was working nights while I started my business too, and driving four hours double, you know, multiple times a week along with so sleeping with like, you know, a couple of machines that are, you know, mining machines that are running at like a hundred decibels, like right next to my head, sleeping like that, you know, in public housing for, for a year. There's a lot of things that people, you know, to get that financial freedom later in life, you have to, plan and sacrifice at certain points so and there's a balance too you don't want you don't want to you don't want to make it you know sacrifice everything sacrifice friends family um all your time and money to try to uh, achieve that necessarily later in life there's a there's a balancing act so um yeah i, I think there's I, I think it's important though and um it, it's definitely the youth of today are very creative, you know, people, people my age and younger and, and some older uh, are, are very creative in how they are looking at their, their life and careers. Um, so it, there's a lot of opportunity out there. You just got to find your, got to find your niche and, mm-hmm. and, and get a little lucky and, and then also plan and sacrifice accordingly. So gotcha. Gotcha. And, and 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 let's be honest too. There's some people out there that, that are doing what you're talking about in in, in nefarious ways. <laughs> so, yeah. No. And, yeah. And that's the thing Because <laughs> I get I get I get inundated with uh you know the FTX and all of these different uh, uh people with all of these you know crazy looking profiles that you know want to you know my my attention and my time and whatnot. And, uh, yeah. you know, just for the most part, you can tell some of those persons. And, and again, I'm not, I don't know the the ins and outs of what what they're doing. But, you know, it, it, like you said, it does take time to actually manifest this, you know, the, these, you know, the money portion of it. And there's a lot of work that's involved and stuff like that. And I think people have actually found a way to cut corners and to do some things that um, may not be so legal. Yeah, uh, people, yeah. yeah, people always cut corners and... Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you'd like to, at the end of the day, it's very refreshing when you can, you know, look at people that you care about or lay down at night and know like, Hey, like I haven't done anything to hurt anyone else. And that's an awesome thing. That's awesome feeling like, um, not having that on your conscience, not having that anxiety or worry. And then knowing that anyone that you directly love or associate with like that they can trust you you know right um, right i think that's that's worth more than that's worth a lot more than some of the money that might be gained from uh from that but you know yeah it's it, it's tough because you know people can rationalize anything so you know people that do that might be rationalizing it like well if i can just get ahead and then i can help my family or you know, set myself up in some way. And then I'll, and then I'll give back. Right. Then I'll be a good person. And, yeah. You know, people, people can rationalize anything. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Definitely. Doing it with integrity is, is important. Yeah, definitely. A, 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 a huge portion of that. Let's talk about, um, the book now. Yeah. Before we do that though, 
So what everything that you just identified in terms of your firm and you being able to educate and maybe use seminars and webs, um, um, webinars and things like that to, you know, to kind of educate people around uh, what you're doing, is that something that can also be um, uh, identified or located on your website? Because I only see the one website. Yeah, so there, there's Zachary. So my book website is Zachary-Daniel.com. My business website is uh, Digital Edge WM, Digital Edge Wealth Management.com. Um, and people can reach out to me uh, from on that website uh, if they want to contact me and just ask me. I'm really open to giving as much unsolicited, as much advice for free that I, I reasonably can because now that I am a registered investment advisor, there's certain things that I can and can't do for people that aren't under contract with me. But um, I'm always very eager to help or talk about with anyone for as much as I can talk about for free. Um, and that would reach out to me and have any questions about finance, investing, stocks, crypto, um, real estate, um, really any one of those subjects. Um, reach out. I haven't done a uh, a class in a while. Um, I like to do those in person. And, uh, you know, the area that I'm in right now, not the, uh, you know, is a little bit quieter. So I haven't done one in person in a while, but I'm very free to talk on Zoom or, or over the phone. So reach out to me on there if you, uh, if you're curious. So how did that, how did that, uh, how did that work out during the pandemic then? Cause I'm sure that if you were doing it in live and in person, uh, that had to, that had to take a hit. Um, yeah. 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 During the, during the pandemic, I did, you know, a few zoom, zoom ones, but I'm, I'm a much more in-person person, <laughs> in-person person. I, I prefer to do things in person. Um, you can just get a lot more off someone's body language and um, feels a lot more personal um, versus a Zoom call, especially, you know, I find myself, even if I'm interested in, in the topic that someone is over video on, it still can be tough for me to, to be fully present uh, and focused on them. Versus in person, you can be you feel much more engaged to that person. Um, so you know, I haven't hosted events. I didn't host like any in person events during Zoom. I did a couple after. So in the last earlier in the year, I've done a couple, and then uh, whenever I come back home to Wisconsin, um, I do try to do at least one. So um, okay. So yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, the book. Uh, manifest, yeah, manifest Des- destiny. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was taken aback a little bit by the by the title because there's something else out there um, also in, that's has that same title. But when you read um, when you read a snippet of what you had, uh, you know, kind of giving it a little bit of uh, a bit of a backdrop, it kind of you know it kind of put me at ease a little bit. So um, let's let's talk about that. Why why the name uh, Manifest Destiny and what brought that about? Yeah, um, you know, Manifest Destiny for me was, uh, the way I was thinking about it was in the historical context. So it was kind of the Manifest Destiny of the United States that we were going to conquer the continent, basically, and we were going to reach coast to coast, and, you know, nothing could stop, um, you know, nothing could stop America from achieving its, you know. Yeah, that's that's exactly destiny. what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what and nothing, yeah. yeah, nothing was going to stop it. Um, and, and obviously, a lot of 
great things came of that and a lot of terrible things were committed to do that. So um, the, the way I think about it in terms of the book is the main character, you know, especially towards the beginning of the book, uh, has a lot of anger and grief and um, holding on to the past. And it just kind of building. Um, and when you when you do that, when you have the anger and grief and you're holding on to the past like that and you try to keep it in, it is kind of its manifest destiny that was gonna was gonna, you know, burst out. And it was also going to kind of reflect in every aspect of the of the main character's life. So it was kind of its manifest destiny that when that when you hold on to that, it's it's gonna burst out. So that was what I was kind of going for for the um the the title. And um, you know, Shakespeare said there's three categories of of basically cinema drama play it's it, the comedy drama and the tragedy and so this book if it was to put in the category it'd be the tragedy so um it's not giving anything away it's just that's kind of how i was thinking about the whole the whole title and um and if anyone reads the quote on the inside of the book it's uh, it's actually a joseph joseph stalin quote which is uh, one man's death is a one man's death is a tragedy. A million is a statistic, and there's that whole tragedy play again. Um, and it, it's one of my favorite quotes because although it came from a generally bad dude, uh, it is very true. When we hear about things that happen, uh, you know, people dying or things affecting people, if it's fifty, a hundred, hundred fifty, hundred thousand, a million people, it's it's impossible for us to fathom that kind of scale of of atrocity versus you know when one person dies you know even if it's if it's a family member you you realize how big of a tragedy that is because of all the people that that person affected all the people all the things that they ever did in their life everything um and the, that's why it makes it so sad when one singular person dies and we can feel that um impact versus a large number of people just becomes kind of unfathomable and numb so you know there's there's a lot of thought and play in there as far as yeah. the title and stuff yeah so i gotta i gotta ask the question though. i gotta ask the question um go ahead <laughs> who, 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 first of all first question first well first couple of questions who, who was the book intended for and what demographic were you trying to reach out to as uh, the the book was intended for um anyone uh, a pretty broad audience of adults. Um, you're not going to get uh, if someone's looking for like a quick popcorn read, as far as like a, just a lot of action. You know, when you hear mystery thriller, you're usually thinking like a lot of action, a lot of um, a lot of things happening all at once. And um, this is this book was mainly much more for a character driven. Uh, character-driven approach so you know a, a kind of delving into how we think about the past how it affects us how our lives are kind of brought down by it uh, versus kind of living in the now and developing your relationships and, and how much better your life can be because of that so it's much more of a character-driven story and a reflection of 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 that um I forgot the second part of your question. Now I started started going off on that what, one. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what? What demographic were you trying to reach? 
I would say, you know, similar to my, really kind of touches on any demographic because a lot of the themes that I have in the book um, can be experienced by 20 year olds um, as well as, you know, 60 year olds. So the trauma that happens in the main character happens during his teenage years to youth. And, you know, everyone generally goes through trauma, uh, some to different degrees, some under different circumstances, but everyone deals with trauma because the world's not perfect. Um, how you deal with that trauma is, is going to affect the entire rest of your life. So um, it was kind of a, a meta commentary on, you know, you only got one life. And if you let your past dictate your future, um, it's probably, you're probably not living your best one. You're probably not reaching its full potential. Um, so it's kind of meta commentary on that. And that can be anyone from, you know, 20 years old to 60 years old. Um, so. Okay. Okay. The, 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 the trauma you speak about, what, okay. Um, so, can, so the main character, word, word that? Go, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. The main, so the main character has his, his father was everything, his idol, um, who he wanted to be, who he wanted to be like, and his father was murdered in apparent robbery and they never caught the robbery suspect. So his father was murdered and that was the traumatic event for him during his, his youth. And he's carried a lot of the anger and resentment towards into his adult life. Um, and as you, as you dive deeper into the book, um, you realize there's, there's more family trauma in there than just, than just that episode alone. But, um, and that kind of goes to the point that everyone everyone has some form of trauma, and a lot of it is how you deal with it. So um, the main character deals with it in generally unhealthy ways, um, which adds some of the uh, thriller aspect of it. And then he's also trying to discover, he's also trying to bring himself closure by him and his best friend basically discovering who murdered his father, and that way, that way bringing closure, and hopefully he can move on from that. Um, but... As with many things that we want, we want most in life. Um, when you achieve it, uh, it might not be all all you thought it was cracked up to be. So, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, because like, because I have to, I have to be, you know, honest. Like I said, the title of the book kind of threw me because that's something else. No, like, well, you already kind of mentioned it anyway. Um, it kind of threw me, but like I said, I had to read. You know, you got to do your research. Mm -hmm. You got to do you know, trying to be as impartial as possible. But at the same time, there's also information that when presented, you, you know, you got to question it. So it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing. But anyway, um, Manifest Destiny is the book. The book is available on Amazon. And what is the other uh, outlet? Amazon, um, you know, Barnes & Noble, um, Audible, there's audiobooks. So all the major, all the major retailers um, or anyone that sells books. And how have you, how have, how has the book fared since it's, since it's released? So I, I think it's fared, I think it's fared pretty good. Um, you know, it just released officially like last week. And so far, um, so far there's been about 500 sales, um, which is, I think is already, is already good. Um, I think most books in their lifetime if you just look at the average or the, the median number of books that are sold from, especially first time authors, maybe like a hundred, 150. So I'm already, you know, for me, it wasn't necessarily, I don't really care about the monetary success of the book. I just want people to read it. 
you know that's all i care is like getting the story in the hands of people so eventually i think in like a month or so i'll, I'll reduce the ebook price to like 99 cents and then i'll probably keep it there for a long time and you know people can just read it easily then but so far it's it's going good um you know the nicest thing i think there's been the most two most rewarding things about the book process was one that i got it done because it's kind of one of those things that probably the thing most of my life that i said all oh, i'm gonna do and i'm working on and i'm working on but i didn't really i didn't finish it i didn't accomplish it but it finally happened and i think that was a very very proud moment for myself and then i had a book signing just last week at my local library and seeing the amount of people that showed up was um it was really special uh i had teachers from you know elementary school that showed up that you know i've been out of uh. elementary school for 20 years now and they showed up to my book signing that i haven't seen and you know I, old teachers old family um all there to you know just support the book and support me and uh that was the coolest part of it so you know regardless of the sales uh that that part alone was worth um was a success in my in my opinion yeah 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 i've, I've been hearing from a lot of people that have literally written books how how difficult the process um can it, be it, um, it is grueling i i had no idea until i got into it um i've luckily had help from my publisher which isn't like a major publisher but um they've helped helped me a lot and uh no it is, it is really hard but uh but rewarding so okay okay and again that's uh at zacharydaniel.com mm -hmm. zacharydaniel.com and again the book is Man manifest destiny uh go to the website read uh i, I believe it's uh, an excerpt from the book that he kind of mentions uh, on the webpage, and again, you can uh, do ebook. You can do hardcover. Is it hardcover or soft softback? Hardcover, hardcover, or ebook or audio audiobook. Yep. Yep. Audiobook, um, ebook, and then hardcover. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, if you guys like a little mystery, a little thriller, um, <laughs> that kind of stuff, and uh, there's some. Le it, it seems to be lessons in there as well. So yeah, definitely check it out. Um, and uh, go from there. So we're almost at that time. It's been an enjoyable conversation, learning about you, learning about your process, learning uh, the fact that, you know, you've been able to accomplish uh, so much in a short period of time. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to leave as parting words? Um, and I always ask this of, of everybody, parting words or anything like that, any kind of inspiration or whatever that kind of, kind of comes to your mind? Yeah, um, you know, I, I I just appreciate you having me on and and you know uh, you know having me reach your audience. Um, I I think if there's if there's anything takeaway, you know, you mentioned me doing a lot uh, at my early age, and I think that there isn't a lot of time in the world, but there's more time than you think. So you know, working on something for ten minutes a day, twenty minutes a day, hour a day, however long. Um, you know, it adds up over the years and all of a sudden you can be working on this small thing and uh, it, it can build to something, you know, that you're very, very proud of. Um, and so that that's kind of where it happened for me for the book and the businesses. Um, it's just like slowly building every day. And it doesn't feel like you're making any progress, but time kind of compounds on itself. So, you know, you have more time than you think, as, as I guess what, I would say my my 
overall theme on life is there's there's more time out there than you think. So, um, okay. no, and I and I really appreciate you having me and yeah, it's been it's been great talking to you here. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I, I I appreciate the fact that you reached out to me. Um, and here's the other thing about it too. Uh, so, you know, I, I want you to come back because I, I I really want to further dive into the book and talk about you know a lot more of the book. But of course, you know, with anything, time is kind of limiting. <laughs> you know, there's other things, there's other things that has to be accomplished and done. And so, um, you know, we try to put everything we can in, uh, you know, a certain amount of time. And hopefully, there's enough interest um, after listening to this where people say, "Well, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna part two. But I'm telling you right now, we're gonna make a part two uh, because again, I really want to dive into the book and uh, yeah. you know hear a little bit more from you about. Um, the book, right? I want to. I, I, yeah. I really want to do it. So basically, what I'm saying is, there's an invitation there. Um, oh, I'll I'll take it. Well, I would happily happily do a happily do a part two. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, this has been another episode of the All Things Black podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Black Ovation. Remember, remember, remember to um reach out to not only Zachary but look up the. Black Podcasters Association, look up Afros and Audios. Um, I'm going to provide a link to the Black Education Station. Uh, listen, when you when you go on those pages, uh, and again, you, there's nothing to really kind of preview because everything is kind of behind a wall, uh, a garden right now. Uh, in other words, you got you got to pay for the content, which which is not a problem, especially if it's really good content. Uh, but it, I think it's something that's definitely needed, especially with uh, the young children, you know, coming up, and to be able to to be able to, to see that there are educators out there that that really have their best interest at heart and in mind, and really want to be able to do something to help them to elevate to the next level, not just necessarily get a job, anything like that, but become very productive human beings in their community and in their society and things like that. And it does start early on. So you definitely want to take a look at the Black Education Station and subscribe to their content as well as subscribe to me <laughs> and uh, and take a look at uh, Zachary Daniels' uh, website, ZacharyDaniels.com. And uh, yeah, keep it pushing, keep it moving forward. And with that being said, thank you guys once again for being um you know, participants uh, in the show and listening. And I want to thank you in advance for everything. This has been another great episode. We're out. <laughs>